lecture eight part two of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture eight encouragements to patience part two the good which the divine majesty contemplates in his patience with sinners is magnificent but awful st paul has gone into the profound depths of the divine patience in the following sentences what if god willing to show his wrath and make his power known endureth with much patience vessels of wrath fitted for destruction that he might show the riches of his glory in the vessels of mercy which he hath prepared for his glory romans chapter nine verses twenty two and twenty three it is not god who makes those vessels to be vessels of wrath they make themselves to be such when they fill themselves with the filth of sin and god endures them with much patience he endures them that if they turn to him he may make them vessels of mercy meanwhile they become instruments to try the patience of god's servants and so to perfect them but if during the time that the much patience of god allows them they will not return to him then says the apostle according to thy hardness and impenitent heart thou treasurest up to thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the just judgment of god romans chapter two verse five most consoling to the penitent most terrible to the impenitent are the ways of god's patience wherefore the almighty father gave all patience to his son who put it to full exercise and carried it to the utmost for our salvation and then gave it to us in grace with his example and he enlightened the power of the gift with the precept in your patience you shall possess your souls every man is a man in so far only as he holds the free possession of his soul every woman is truly a woman only in so far as she possesses her soul in peace the christian is so far a true christian as he possesses his soul in god so that the world cannot take hold of him and the secret of this self-possession is in the patience which gives him a beautiful resemblance to christ but there is a much deeper resemblance to christ in the patient endurance of evils and even a much greater participation with christ in his work of saving souls than appears on the surface conscious of this in the depths of his inspired soul the great apostle boldly says i rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up those things that are wanting in the sufferings of christ in my flesh for his body which is the church colossians chapter one verse twenty four the apostle does not say that there was anything wanting in the sufferings of christ on the contrary in another place he teaches that god perfected the author of our salvation by his passion hebrews chapter two verse ten he says that by his sufferings he fills up those things that are wanting to christ in his body the church this opens a grand view into the whole economy of suffering as well as into the profound significance of patience 
christ is the head the church his body united with the head into which the truth spirit and life of christ descend and are diffused through his members giving to the church one organic life with christ animated by his spirit living by his virtue and although every member is not equally animated with his spirit but some more some less yet all who are in the unity of his body partake in some degree of his spirit by faith if not by charity he is present with his church and teaches through his church his grace animates the church and produces those divine virtues which imitate his own the sufferings which he endured the church in her members endures that in all things the church as his body may exhibit his own life and death to the father for this cause the church seems always dying to the world whilst always living unto god for christ our lord not only perfected his own patience by his sufferings but he receives all the sufferings endured by his members for his sake incorporates them with his own endows them with his merits and thus gives them a communion with his own proportioned to their loving patience for in virtue of his grace and love they are made holy and sacred through these patient sufferings the church is propagated and defended her members perfected and she herself is made like to christ in his patient life and passion and especially in his endurance of the cross and when as head of all he shall offer all that he has redeemed and sanctified to the father among the richest offerings will be the patient sufferings of his saints united with his own as the head and body of the church are mystically one one is the passion of christ with the sufferings of the church borne by his grace and through his presence in her members in her apostles martyrs saints and faithful members the church suffers in christ through christ with christ and for christ he sanctifies those sufferings and makes them fruitful not only what is suffered externally from his enemies and in the sight of men but what is endured internally with patience for his sake and for the sake of the virtues is united with the interior sufferings of christ and is sanctified by his grace and acceptance an offering to god how completely christ makes the patient sufferings of his members his own he has himself taught us in most touching terms to those who feed the hungry clothe the naked harbor the harborless comfort the sick or console the afflicted he says amen i say to you as long as you did it to one of these my least brethren you did it to me st matthew chapter twenty five verse forty and when saul raged against the church and persecuted her members christ said to him why persecutest thou me making the sufferings of the members of the church his own in her deep sense of the divine things within her bosom the church therefore takes a grand and lofty view of the benefits that spring from the patient sufferings of her children our whole redemption and salvation rest on sufferings 
united with the patience of charity they have a most mysterious power of destroying evil and producing good the book of revelations is the prophetical history of the sufferings of the church through the ages in which the suffering faithful look up in adoration to the lamb who was slain and who hath redeemed us in his blood and the whole history of the church militant is finally summed up in this sentence here is the patience of the saints who keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus apocalypse chapter fourteen verse twelve as there is a great communication of evil in the world there is a great communion of good in the church we neither pray suffer nor do good works for ourselves alone from patient suffering when it is endured in christ there is a diffusion of expiatory good beyond what we can fathom st paul suffered exceedingly for the church at large and this generous motive gave him joy and consolation explicitly or implicitly all the servants of god suffer for the church as well as for themselves for as the apostle teaches we are all of us the body of christ and if one member suffer anything all the members suffer with it or if one member glory all the members rejoice with it one corinthians chapter twelve verse twenty six and as all the members are united together in christ whoever lays his sufferings with patient humility on the cross of jesus obtains from his blood a rich merit not only for himself but also for the needy members of the church which the vicar of christ distributes in his name in their hardness of heart the communion of the wicked treasure up wrath against the day of wrath but the communion of the just treasure up good works and patient sufferings for the day of reward the wicked with their selfish vices spread the communication of evil far and wide the just spread far and wide the communication of their good and are generous with their prayers and unselfish sufferings to all who stand in need of mercy what a contrast between these two communions what an opposition between these treasures the evil treasure is from evil hearts the good treasure from good hearts the one flows from selfishness and malice the other from charity and patience the one is the dark subterranean treasure of wrath that must be finally sepulchred in hell the other the bright treasure of patient love laid up in heaven where christ unites the glorified sufferings of his servants with his own many things are wanting to the sufferings of christ's body the church before its glory is completed they are wanting to perfect its likeness to christ they are wanting to perfect his virtue in his members they are wanting to draw unbelievers and sinners to his mercy they are wanting to complete the sanctification of his elect they are wanting that he may present his church to god the father glorified with victory and bearing on her members the scars and wounds of the fight of patience these the apostles and servants of god fill up by their preaching suffering and patience but according to the divine plan 
there are also other sufferings wanted that the sufferings of christ may be daily and more plentifully applied to souls for the sufferings of patient souls are a great prayer pleading for souls with a deeper voice than tongues can utter every one of the faithful whose soul is in charity applies to himself the satisfaction of christ by his prayers by his good works and by his sufferings but in a more special manner by his sufferings and so satisfies for the penalties due to his sins but after he has received the pardon of his sins and has satisfied for their penalties all of which rests on the satisfaction of christ and is commingled with that divine satisfaction what remains of good works and patient suffering is applicable to other souls that stand in need of assistance this belongs to the communion of saints and to the members of the church but they are applicable only through the sufferings and satisfactions of christ as of the members through the head thus as a king honours his faithful servants by giving them a share in his power and government christ honours his devoted servants associates them with himself and gives them a share in the service of the church and in the great work of satisfaction not indeed as primary but as secondary and subordinate causes working through his power and through the merits of his sufferings it is in this sense that st paul says i fill up those things that are wanting in the sufferings of christ in my flesh for his body which is the church there is nothing that we suffer for the honour of god however little it may be that is not more serviceable to us than if we possess the dominion of the world but suffering must be unselfish and when suffered for god it must be sacrificial wherefore in repayment for what little we endure with loving patience god will give us nothing less than himself knowing as we do how much and how cheerfully the saints suffered for god's sake we should equally remember that they were frail mortals like ourselves the arm of god is not shortened he is as ready to help us as he was to help them but if we shrink from the pain and patience of suffering let this reflection confound us that it is not because we cannot but because we will not suffer for god's sake for god is not less powerful or less willing to help us than he was to help them reflect again that god would not have us suffer anything for his sake that is not both useful and fruitful to ourselves reflect once more that however great our trial or affliction may be and our interior trials are the greatest the son of god bore them first and permits them for our good they are easy to bear when we once understand that they come from the hand of god no adversity can befall us that is not in a certain way repugnant to the divine nature and this makes it all the more certain that god would never permit adversity to come upon us were it not that he sees the great fruit that we may obtain from it for affliction does not please god because it is affliction 
but only because of the incorruptible good to which it brings us a good that he has ordained from eternity as the providence of god sends the burden that we bear and as he who endured all things for our sake bears the burden of every one's trials who is resigned to him the cross with its affliction is made sweet and divine and the sufferer learns from it to be indifferent to contempt or honour to the experience of bitter or of sweet things and by his likeness to christ becomes divine through the spirit of god that moves within him it would be long and beyond the scope of these lectures to enter upon the history of the patience of the saints whoever loves this essential virtue will not fail to trace that history in the holy scriptures and the lives of the saints but we must not pass over what we can learn of the patience of the greatest and most perfect of the saints every act and word of the blessed virgin mary that has reached us breathes the most exquisite meekness and tranquillity through which the most perfect patience is revealed there was a tradition in the early church that she was very silent and spoke only at the call of charity of this habit of silent recollection st luke gives us some information contemplate that silent chamber with mary in modest recollection the sudden presence of the archangel and the trouble in her heart at the salutation the heavenly messenger dispels her maiden fears and however mighty however awful the mystery in which she is invited to share in calm simplicity of heart she bends herself down to the divine will in the words behold the handmaid of the lord be it done to me according to thy word yet upon that stupendous mystery of which she was the subject she is silent to joseph and to all the world leaving its revelation to god in his own good time and patiently in the meanwhile enduring misconstruction and reproach her profoundly contemplative spirit of which fortitude is the moral basis is made known to us through her sublime canticle the magnificat there we read the clear profundity of her humility in the enraptured sweetness of her gratitude there we see the sublime height of her intuition into the ends contemplated by the divine incarnation already accomplished in her bosom she is full of god and in a few burning sentences sums up the light of the prophets of all past ages after that burst of humility and gratitude all melted into praise that moved her pure soul in ways unspeakable we see in her words the word incarnate putting the mighty down from their seats dispersing the proud and lifting up the humble we see him filling those who hunger for justice with good things and sending away empty those who glory in their riches we see the promises of god to the patriarchs fulfilled and the true israel received to mercy the whole mission of her son is unrolled before our eyes after the birth of her son st luke tells us all that heard wondered and at those things that were told them by the shepherds but mary kept all these words pondering them in her heart 
all are talking and wondering around her she is thinking in god as the archangel proclaimed her full of grace and prepared her for the full presence of the holy ghost we are not left to conjecture her fortitude and patience besides we see it all in the rude cave of bethlehem what a trial was that sudden command in the night to fly to egypt with all her solicitude about her infant son there to dwell in poverty in that strange heathen land there to wait in all patience and uncertainty for the divine command to return what a touching incident was that of her three days sorrowing at the loss of her son and what a consolation when she found him in the temple there was already a shadow from the three days of his passion upon her soul she piously follows her son throughout his travels labors ministry and sorrows and whatever contradictions insults and persecutions he endured in his person she suffered in her heart for the prophecy of simeon was fulfilled from first to last this child is set for the fall and for the resurrection of many in israel and for a sign which shall be contradicted and thy own soul a sword shall pierce st luke chapter two verses eighteen and nineteen and verses thirty four and thirty five the whole strength of her patience and fortitude is expressed in one sentence of the gospel st john tells us there stood by the cross of jesus his mother and his mother's sister mary cleophas and mary magdalene st john chapter nineteen verse twenty five there close by the cross stood the mother of jesus in the midst of the most awful scene of sacrilege and violence that the world has ever witnessed among the rough executioners and coarse pagan soldiers surrounded by the maddened crowd mocking jeering with loud clamoring and rude gestures scoffing close by the cross stood the mother of jesus the apostles had fled in terror john alone remained bound by his love of jesus and of mary nailed upon that cross with the thorns around his head torn by the stripes worn with protracted sufferings was jesus her son and the son of god he was pierced with five wounds she threw all her senses to the soul yet she stood her fortitude and patience are divine and reveal the whole virtue of her innocent life her sister mary cleophas and mary magdalene stand by her the faithful companions of her sorrow and distress they cling in great faith and constancy to jesus and would not desert him in his tremendous day of sacrifice they stand by his mother pierced through all her being with that great agony the mother by the son making her oblation with his sacrifice and receiving his dying words until he expires between two criminals and thy own soul a sword shall pierce that out of many hearts thoughts may be revealed end of lecture eight part two